What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Serious for God Leaders Podcast. I'm Tim Alford, National Director of Serious for God and Volunteer Youth Leader at the Source Church, Malvern. I'm Dustin Rubio, Youth Pastor of Swansea City Church and Regional Leader of Wales and Southwest Midlands. And this is a conversation designed to help youth leaders connect, think, and grow. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Dustin Rubio. This month's episode is a teaching. It's a session from the Serious for God Leadership Conference for youth leaders called Connect. Uh, it was last month. It was amazing. So good. We just wanted to get all of the sessions, all the teachings out to you guys. Um, but if you want to know more about Connect, you've never been there, uh, then contact Tim Alford. All the information on how to contact Tim is at the end of this episode. But this month's episode, this one you're about to listen to, we have Mike Pilavachi, one of the pastors of Soul Survivor Watford and the founder of Soul Survivor and Momentum, the festivals for youth and young adults. Uh, he's heavily experienced in ministering in the spirit. This month's session, that's what you're going to listen to. Uh, he's going to be talking about principles of ministering in the spirit. It's so good. So I hope you enjoy it. ...of young people, as with every other generation, to encounter and engage with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first thing that the Holy Spirit does is he always comes to reveal Jesus. He always comes to reveal the Lord Jesus. And, uh, you know, in all the stuff that goes on with young people today, we need, we long for uh, a generation to rise up, this generation to rise up, as a people who know their Savior, who know their Lord, who love Him. And you can't, you can't know Him and love Him unless He has been revealed to you. And as Jesus said, and I'm sure you would have heard yesterday, the Spirit comes to take that, uh, the things of Jesus, and make them known to us. So we need the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of people's hearts so that they might know the hope to which He has called them, his glorious inheritance in them, the saints, and his incomparably great power uh, for all of us uh, who believe. Uh, the second reason we need the ministry of the Spirit, I'm just going to say this very quickly, but it's important if we're going to understand what follows, um, is because we need a generation of young people, which is to a large degree a fatherless generation, to know God as Father, to know God as Abba. And uh, it's by the Holy Spirit that, that, that God is revealed in our hearts and not just intellectually as Abba. It's by the Spirit, according to Romans 8, that we cry, Abba, Father. <clears throat> Thirdly, we need a generation to rise up who, because they know the love of the Father... Because they know the grace of the Son, they are men, become men and women of prayer. And the truth is, none of us know how to pray. Not even Paul. So the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And it's the Spirit who teaches us how to pray. It's the Lord Jesus and the Spirit who both teach us how to pray. And, 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 and they're just... They're just three amongst many reasons why the ministry of the Spirit really needs to be at the heart of, of Christian youth work. And, and, and it's not so that it's the Spirit's at the heart, because when the Holy Spirit is moving, the Lord Jesus is at the heart. And the, we need the ministry of the Spirit 
because we, we long for them to fall in love with Jesus and to know the love of the Father. So how, how, do, how do we do that? Um, and again, I, I, I want to suggest that, you know, some folks say to me, oh, well, it's all right for you in big meetings. Um, you know, you, you pray for, for the Holy Spirit to move and, and then all sorts of stuff happens. But what about in, a, in our little youth group of, of six or seven or eight? And my honest answer is it's exactly the same. Uh, when we started, it was six or seven or eight. And uh, um, um, in fact, um, one of my interns, Ben, when I started as the youth worker at St. Andrew's Chorley Wood, um, uh, the, one of the first meetings was in his grandparents' front room and uh, uh, with his dad and his uncle. And uh, it was in a front room and we made space for the Holy Spirit to move and he did. And there were manifestations physically and emotionally with some, but the fruit was a bunch of young people who caught a vision of the Lord Jesus and who caught a vision of who they were in him. And, uh, and, and so the principles I want to suggest can happen anywhere. And one of the first things I, want, I would like to suggest is we would love to aim uh, at being naturally supernatural in this whole ministry. And uh, I, I, there's two kind of, not errors, there's two extremes that the church has gone to when it comes to the ministry of the Spirit. Uh, there are some of us, uh, you know, on the more charismatic extreme, uh, that have just gone full pelt in every way, all the time. It's all been about the ministry of the Spirit. It's all been about ministry times. It's all been about prophesying to each other. And uh, it's all been all about uh, praying for healing and everyone falling over and let's do it again and let's do it again. When that becomes the emphasis, to be honest, after a while people just get bored. People just get tired and they think, I don't want to do this anymore. And, and then there can be a swing to the other extreme, which is let's, let's do church or let's do youth ministry in our own strength. Let's do it from the mind. Let's do it in a way that, 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 that we control. Let's do it in a way um, that isn't messy. And uh, uh, I love um, and have learned a lot from uh, our brothers and sisters at Hillsong and many of the more seeker-sensitive churches. Uh, one of the things that... Um, uh, I think I can say this because it's not a secret. Brian Houston, who uh, leads the Hillsong movement, uh, said to me uh, a few years ago when I was over there speak, speaking a little bit at their conference, um, we were talking about this whole thing, and he said, Mike, I grew up uh, son of a Pentecostal pastor in a Pentecostal church, and in all my growing up years, we, our meetings went on forever. We went on for hours. We, we sang worship songs forever. We prophesied to each other. Everyone fell over. Everyone shook. Everyone, you know, all of that. And then one morning I woke up and I thought, you know, I can't remember the last time 
anyone ever became a Christian at one of our meetings. I can't remember the last time any non-Christian stayed long enough at one of our meetings in order to hear the gospel. And then he said, the reason I started Hillsong is I wanted to start a church that non-Christians could be comfortable in. I wanted to start a church that, that, that we made a contract with them that we wouldn't keep them there for ages, we wouldn't talk in a language they didn't understand, we wouldn't make them feel excluded, and we wouldn't make them feel that you have to run a spiritual marathon in order to be a Christian, that this isn't going to go on forever, that if they came, they'd be trapped, and they'd never know when it was going to end. And, that, I mean, uh, that resonates with me in so many ways. You know, that's absolutely true. Uh, but one of the things we, we've been talking about, and I've been suggesting um, in my little way, is, is it doesn't have to move from that to every, every minute is accounted for and everything completely in every way is pre-planned and everything. There's, there's a middle way. And it's kind of what I call being naturally supernatural. There's a middle way where we do plan well. We do pursue excellence, where we do uh, do all the things that Hillsong do brilliantly, absolutely brilliantly, and we have so much to learn from them. But that, but we can also, without compromising that, make some space for the ministry of the Spirit. And sometimes, in order to do that, sp space has to be made. It, it, you you can't say. You just can't say to the Holy Spirit, okay, you've got two minutes now. Do your, it just doesn't work like that. It just doesn't work like that. So you have to make some space, but what we want to do is, one of the phrases we use is, is God can be as weird as he wants. He's allowed to. He's God. But we won't be weird. We won't be weird. We will be as normal as we can be. We will explain as much as we can explain. Uh, we will, um, we will not, not get religious. Um, and you know there's more than one way of getting religious. We will try and be as natural as we can be, but we want to make space, Lord Jesus, for you to move among your people in the power of the Spirit. And when we earth that, when we make that practical, when we work out how we do that, we can find a way where there, there is a place for, what are you going to do next, Lord? I have no idea where you're going to go on this. My heart's in my mouth. And yet, and yet, you know what, what we've discovered is non-Christians are not put off when the Holy Spirit moves. As long as it is the Holy Spirit and it's not an imitation. They can smell a spiritual rat. They can smell, they can smell it when, when we hype up, when we manipulate emotions, when we try and do all that stuff. And so, especially for young people, and this generation are searching for authenticity. You know, and, and you've seen it, you see it in the culture. You know, people are tired this generation is tired of being sold things. That's why they're going to unusual places. You know, it, it, you know in, in, order, in order 
uh, to find authentic reality. And uh, uh, you see that in our politics. You see that in the politics in the States, where sometimes it's going to all the extremes. You know, in the States, it's either Donald Trump or Bernie Saunders. It's amazing. Who would have thought that would happen? Uh, in our own country, it's, there's a similar thing happening. And, and especially when it comes to faith, when it matters, in its matters of faith, they, they long to see authenticity and vulnerability. And I, I, I'll just say this, I, I believe passionately that we have to teach the scriptures. We have to be faithful to the word and we need to teach the scriptures to this generation. It, I find it very interesting that um, I get more, we get more comments back if we share something honest about ourselves that is vulnerable than anything else. So we share the scriptures, but we share honestly how, how we live in the light of that. The joys and the struggles, the pains and the, and, and the rejoicing. And it all comes together. They're looking for authenticity. And so, and so, when it comes to the ministry of the Spirit, we have to go to the nth degree to try and make sure that we're as authentic as we can be. And I just want to, for those of you that aren't there, and to explain for those of you that have been to our festivals in the summer, to try and share a little bit about what, what we try to do, whether we succeed or not, and we won't always succeed, what we try and do, because the principles are the same, whatever the size of the youth group. First of all, um, we try to be relational. We try to be as relaxed as we can be. Um, and for us, we try and humor tries, we try to do that through humor because we don't really know another way. And, and, and also, we try and make sure as much as we can that the kids know that those of us that work together are actually genuinely friends. And that this isn't a show, this isn't a performance. That's why, you know, we start the, often the, we, 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 this summer was the first time we did a countdown. Uh, because we thought we ought to try and get into the 20, 20th century before we hit the 22nd. Um, but, you know, then we waddle onto stage, well I waddle, the others walk. And then it's kind of, it's kind of, we try and create a sense of community. We try and create a sense of family. That's why we do not just the joking with each other, but you know that I don't know if you've noticed those of you that have been often, um, I'll, I, you know, if I see someone eating a packet of crisps, I'll, you know, I'll get them up, I'll take the crisps off them or whatever. All that, what I'm trying to do there is to say there is no glass glass wall between the stage and the audience. It's not a stage and it's not an audience. We're family together. And so we try and involve. And that's why, if you notice, by the end of the week, loads of them are shouting out. They're calling out. They know there's freedom to do that. They're running up. They're, you know, there's all of that stuff. And, and all of it is trying to create a sense of family, which is what, what we have to try and do. And then when we have, when we, when we have ministry, again, our balance is... We want to explain as much as we can 
but we can't explain until something first happens because if we explain it before it happens, then either there's an, there can be an accusation or it can be a reality that we're auto-suggesting. So I don't say anything about anyone falling down until some people have fallen down. You know, we don't say anything about anyone crying until some people have started crying. And that's where it gets, you know, this whole thing. It, guys, it, I, I don't know how, you, how you're going to keep notes on this because what I'm t trying to say here is it's poetry, it's not maths. You know, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of how do you teach principles when in the end it's a gut feeling? All I can say is what I try and do, and then we'll have a discussion about it um, this afternoon. So the first thing we do is we say, and I just want everyone to relax. No one needs to get, no one needs to respond in any way. You be yourself. No one has to do what anyone else is doing. And we're just going to maybe wait. And we're just going to see what the Lord wants to do. And then what we do is we wait. And uh, especially the first time, that's really scary. Because um, I don't know those of you that have been to the festivals and you see me standing there waiting. Do I or do I not look calm, confident, <laughs> full of faith, fairly sophisticated, and a quiet anticipation that God is going to move. And then when it begins, it's like, yes, I knew that was, yes, there we are. Yes, that's it. Okay, that is all an act. <laughs> I'm standing there thinking, please, Lord, please, just, just one more time. If you do, I'll do anything you want. I'll, I'll, I'll go as a missionary to Wales. I'll, I'll, I'll do anything. Just one more time. And, and guys, there's always an element of that, whether there's 9,000 or 9. And I don't know a shortcut. I don't know another way. It's like, either, either, you, do, either you move, Lord, or we go home early. And, and you know what? Going home early sometimes is all right, you know? It's like sometimes it's, it's all right. You know, there, there, there are times when it's like, okay, well, off, off we go then. But then I just know that God wants to move. Of course he does. He wants to meet with his people. Not because he wants to do a show, but because he loves people. And he wants to release them and set them free. I don't know what he's going to do. And then what it is, is like we're looking and we're seeing, oh, this is what seems to be happening. Is it? I don't know. And you see it. And then in a sense, you start to, not to announce it, but you start to explain it. And the way, the, the Lord and I had a chat a while ago. And we decided in those meetings that we would divide responsibilities. That there were certain things that were his responsibility and there were certain things that were my responsibility. And, uh, uh, and he was actually very clear on the demarcation. So after a while, you know, sometimes we get to pray for people where they are, but often, certainly at the beginning, we'll invite people after a while, if they're sensing God is moving on, to come to the front, simply because in the, our context, it's easier. 
It's easier to get to them. It's easier to identify them. And also, for certain things where, where pain comes up, sometimes it's easier for them if they're not standing with all their friends around and, and all that stuff comes up. So the, the, the division of responsibility that the Lord has, I think, um, explained to me is he's responsible for the ones at the front and I'm responsible for the ones at the back. That means he does the ministry and I, on his behalf, as his representative, do the pastoring because my responsibility is to be a pastor. And that's our responsibility. So I'm always thinking, the ones at the front, they're being prayed for. Stuff's happening with them. Yes, yeah, sometimes if I see, gosh, there's this person weeping and, and no one's anywhere near them, my past responsibility is there, is there anyone who can just come and pray here, please? Because I can't bear it. I can't bear seeing this person hurting and no one being there for them. But I'm thinking constantly, what's everyone else thinking? And so I'm always trying to answer the questions that they will be asking. And the first question is, what on earth have I come to? This is nuts. And then, so what I say is, you may be wondering what on earth is going on. Well, I'm, I'm wondering a little bit as well. But do you know what we did is we asked Jesus to meet with us. We asked his spirit to come. And did you see what we did? We, we waited. We, we didn't have the Holy Spirit keyboard playing seductively in the background. And by the way, in the right context, that's great. We deliberately try not to do that so no one thinks that we're setting the tone. And, and that's the other reason. I don't, I don't know if you, those of you that have been, you, you know, I, I try before we start the ministry, sometimes to make a joke or do something silly. And it's like deliberately to break um, an emotional atmosphere so that everyone's relaxed. So that again, as much as possible, you know, those that are genuinely inquiring, they're not thinking that we've set the mood. Now, it's really hard when there's eight, 9,000 teenagers all in a big top, not for there not to be any hype. I mean, it just ain't going to happen. But our job is to downplay that as much as possible and make it as personal as possible. And so, I'll say, uh, now... You know, some folk you probably can hear, uh, 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 you can hear some tears. Well, I think for some folk, as God's presence comes on them, you know, we're all hurting a bit. We've all been through tough times. And some of us, what we do is we bury pain. And uh, when God's love comes, it's like it's a safe place. And all that's happening is, for some of them, there's some healing going on, you know, um, someone might scream at that point. It's like, hey, that's okay. That's okay. That's, that's just pain coming out maybe. Uh, some people might start to laugh. And at this point, that's when some people will think, what's going on? And I'll say, because um, one of the questions is, I think some of these people are putting it on. And the truth is, some are. Because it's human beings. So one of the things I say, is all of this God? No. Human beings are involved. 
So some of it's us. And some of it's our response to God. So I'm trying to answer those that have never been before, who are like, what on earth? It's like, then they relax. It's like, oh, because I thought it might not. And then I say, you know, like, I often tell a story from a few years ago when three 15-year-olds, or lads, all came forward together and they stood in a row and they had their eyes closed and they were like this. And after a while, the two guys either side, they went back in the power, under the power of the Spirit and the guy in the middle was left standing. And as I was watching, I was just watching him. And, you know, you, you know he, you, suddenly he had a feeling there's something's happened here. And then he opened his eyes and he looked down and then he looked the other way and both his mates were on the floor and I could see the look of panic on his face. I'm the only one left standing. I must be less spiritual. And so I saw him, he went... And then he went down. <laughs> and, and I say, now I didn't go down there and say, hey, you two on either side, that was this Holy Spirit, that's really good. You in the middle, you made that up, get up. We're not going to do that. And then I say... If anyone wants to fall down, it's a free country. <laughs> you know, it's okay. If you want to fall down, you're allowed to fall down. It's a free country. We're not going to be the thought police. And you know what? But I've, I've found out that after five or six times of falling down, it gets boring. So no one needs to. Guys, we don't. And then the other thing is, I couldn't do that. I wouldn't respond like that. I'm not in, and, and then you must have heard me say, you know, we don't all have to do the same thing. Um, and I say, when I get prayed for, I never fall down. And there's a reason for that. If I fell down, they'd feel the aftershocks in Ireland. You know, and then ha, ha, ha. You don't need to laugh. And, and, um, and I'd say that, you see, what I'm trying to do and what we have to with young people is explain, put them at ease, not, not so super spiritualize it. that You know, and, and it's like, you know, say, be yourself. Some of us are built more emotionally. On, on our team, there's three of us that host the festivals. There's myself, there's Andy, a guy called Andy Croft, and there's a, a lady called Ali Martin. Now, we all respond differently. Andy is a brain. You know, he got a first in theology at Cambridge. He thinks everything through. Ali, I mean, all you have to do is say hello to her on the wrong day and she bursts into tears. Ali, Ali feels things. Ali's, Ali's a feeler. And, and, and I say, we all respond differently. And so when some of them are feeling, you know, because after a little while, even though it's a minority for whom, when the Spirit comes, there's a physical or emotional response, it can look and sound like they're the majority. And then the next thing is, I'm left out. There's something wrong with me. And that's when I say, if you're not, just put your hand up if you're not feeling anything. And then the majority of hands will go up. And then I'll say, yeah, we're still the majority. We're all right, guys. I'm not feeling anything. And then I'll ask Andy, are you feeling anything? Andy always says no. And then I say, Andy never feels anything. <laughs> and again, trying to relax people, all of that's deliberate. 
deliberately trying to relax people and say, you don't have to do what everyone else is doing. And then we try and say, sometimes in meetings, you know, I've seen some people respond very emotionally, some people respond very physically, but I'll watch one person just standing there like this for ages. And I can see that he is meeting with his Lord in an amazing way. There will never be an emotional or a physical response that is no less genuine, and it might be more genuine than most of the rest that happens. And so we say, is it all God? No. Some of it's our response to God. Some of it is us trying to help God out. And so to demythologize it says to the kids, we're trying as much as we can to be authentic. We're trying as much as we can to be honest. We're trying as much as we can. And, and, and that way, you can, you can feel, when we say some of these things, you can feel the relief, especially with those who are there for the first time. There's nothing wrong with me. This is okay. I can trust them. I can trust them to pastor. And that's the other thing, whether there's 9,000 or 9, it's the, the young people in your youth group, it's being able to, to trust you. Now, now, have you noticed so far, in talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, all I've talked about is how we pastor it. Because the honest truth is, I don't know how we make it happen. <laughs> we can't. So our job is to pastor it. And the more people folk feel they're pastored, the more people feel in a safe place, the more open they will be to receive from the Lord. And the more we do not try and impose one or two or three set, set spiritual responses. Now the truth is, however much we try not to do that, that, gosh, oh, sorry, I just realised the time. Um, we'll move on very quickly. Um, uh, however much we try not to do that, it happens. So we, even within our festivals, we, we find that, you know, there might be one kind of response that's more prominent in one week than in another. And certainly in my travelling, you know, the, in different countries, there's, there's different responses. It's very interesting, the, 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 the screaming out bit. I've only seen it in the United Kingdom, in Canada and in Scandinavia, Norway, Sweden, Finland, and Denmark. And I suspect that that's because we swallow hard, and we don't know how to express our emotions. We're getting a little bit better, but the best way is let's swallow it. Whereas, you know, I mean, if, I mean, if you went, to be honest with you, if you went to Greece or Cyprus where my background's from and you had a ministry time I don't think anyone would scream because they scream all the time you know it's like it's like you know everything everything's expressed but what we do is we bury pain because it's easier and it's simpler and then there comes a point psychologically when the pain comes up and it's like it's like the safety valve is released and it suddenly, ah, and if that were to happen, and that only seems, I've only noticed it in those countries. I'm not saying it can't happen or it's never happened anywhere else. Just what I've noticed. Then 
the thing to do there is, pastorally, is, hey, when they finished, they've got to carry on and live. So are we protecting them? Are we keeping this safe? Is it better that we take them somewhere quieter? Not hidden, for obvious reasons, but is it better that they go rather than, you know, when they come to, oh my goodness, I was going crazy in front of all my friends. Do we, do we, do we just encourage them that it's okay? Do we make, you know, it, the pastoral stuff has to be speeded up really fast. And we are constantly having to think, how are we looking after these folk in the context of what's going on? Now, the honest truth is, there's times where in the summer we have failed. Where we, we had a, an incident at Soul Survivor A last summer where... Um, uh, some kids just went crazy and started absolutely screaming and I, I was gutted that everyone was leaving it to someone else. No one quite knew who was responsible and for their sake, it would have been better to have taken them out. And we were slow and it scared everyone and it made that person vulnerable. We were gutted. We, we, were, we, we made sure we were up late that night trying to make sure, right, if that happens again, here's the procedure. Uh, it doesn't mean we get it right, but we want to take it seriously and responsibly. And the more we have that in place, and in the context of a, of a small group, um, first of all, what I said earlier, what I said to you, which you know, is what we need to teach. Before you, you first uh, pray for folk, have a ministry time, it's what's this about? This isn't about an experience. This is about getting to know Jesus. We're going to pray for everyone to be filled with the Spirit. And do you know what one way that I've noticed is, is, is the best way in a small group is, is um, I don't know if you've ever done this, you know the hot seat? And you, get, you take it in turns, someone sits in the middle, and then everyone else prays for that person. And then we say, why don't we pray for the Holy Spirit to come on John or Jane and why don't we ask Jesus if he gives us any words, anything comes into our heads that we think is encouraging, maybe a verse of scripture, maybe something encouraging about them, and then we just say it. And then we say, right, we don't have to be sure it's right, but it needs to strengthen, encourage, and comfort. And do you know, when they pray for each other like that, it is amazing what they receive, because... Once, you see, my old boss used to say, when you finish praying for someone, if they, if they receive nothing else at the end, they should leave knowing they've been loved. And that's the key. It's love at the center. And so, you know, if five young people are praying for their friend, guess what? At the end, that person will sense the love of the others. You can't fail. But there might be a little word that someone gets that didn't mean very much, but that meant, did you know that's my favorite Bible verse? No, I didn't. Really? Wow. Now, is it possible that that's coincidence? Of course it might, because most of us have got one of four favorite Bible verses. But, you know, it might be the Lord. So we're not, you know, 
Again, it's demystifying. We have to demystify to make this ministry accessible because the alternative is some of us get into our extreme charismaniac stuff that is that we have our own language, that we have our own little code, that we have our own little activity, and then the rest end up saying, I don't like that, I can't get into that, and so let's do it without that. We have to find a way where the Word and the Spirit, the ministry of the Word and the Spirit come together. Now, if you do it like that, if you introduce it like that, I don't see how it can go wrong. And it doesn't have to be. Guys, it, it, again, I know you know this, but it's not looking for dramatic results. It's not looking for dramatic results. But it does mean that we have to model stepping out in faith. I'm going to talk a bit more about that um, tonight, I think, just a little bit before we pray. We have to model stepping out in faith. And, and to say, you know, I could be wrong, but does this mean anything to anyone? And, and again, just for us, because if we don't understand how God speaks, then we won't be able to in, explain and encourage our young people to understand how God speaks. And he whispers, he doesn't shout. He shouts to his enemies, he whispers to his friends. That's why be still and know that I am God is there. That's why stand still and see the salvation of the Lord is there. Uh, uh, that's why uh, Jesus says in John 15, I no longer call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything I received from my Father, I have made known to you. It's in the context of friendship. It's in the context of intimacy. He reveals his secrets in the context to his friends, in the context of intimacy. That's why, um, uh, you know, after the earthquake, wind and fire, Elijah heard a gentle whisper, a still small voice. And so, for us to hear the voice of the Lord, it's the opposite of, of the way we think it should happen. You know, I used to think I would have to dial up to hear God speak. So I really need to right, get myself, right, I'm going to pray in tongues for 30 minutes really loudly. I'm going to, Holy Spirit, come on me. And it's like, I've realized it's not. And I, I think praying in tongues is, is, is great. But I don't think it's, it's, it's about this is the slot machine thing. It's in the context of relationship. It's in the context of I'm just going to dial down. I'm just going to wait. And... And it's, it's like a butterfly landing and taking off. And just to explain it, I'm just going to give a couple of examples from my own, from just, and I'm going to try and be really honest with you about how it works. Um, were any of you at Soul Survivor B this last summer? Yeah. Do you remember when... Um, there was the one night about 200 kids came forward to become Christians and we were all rejoicing because we, we got 200 and, and it was all wonderful and, and everything. And then um, the next night, um, I, was, I was due to speak on the gift of prophecy, on hearing God speak. And uh, towards the end of the worship, um, I, this thought came into my head. Uh, there's someone here called Sam. He's not a Christian. And he said to a friend this morning, 
um, if, they may, if they invite people to come forward tonight, I think I'll come forward. And, and what it was, was it wasn't as clear as I've just said it. I've just said it more clearly than... It was just this, this, this thought, impression that came into my mind. And I was like, I don't know if that's God or me. But after a while, after it happens a few times, you start thinking, well, it might be. And, and then I was, okay, well, I wasn't planning to do this, but um, at the end, after I've spoken, I might say, before we you know, invite people who want to hear God speak in prophetic uh, as a response to come forward. Um, I might say, if there's anyone else who you didn't become a Christian last night, come forward, and, and there might be someone called Sam, and you said to your friend this morning, blah, blah, blah. And then I just felt the Lord say, kind of do it now. And, 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 and again, the way it works was, um, it was like, do it now. Is that you or is that me? If it's, if it's me, I don't agree with me. If it's, if it's you, I'm actually not sure you're right either, Lord. You know? And, and literally, it was like, it was like, and this were honestly my thoughts. It was the week that it was live on God TV. So it was like, wait a minute, there's 8,000, 9,000 people here, young people here. What if no one comes forward? What, you mean like now? While everyone's sitting down, one person called Sam who said to, mm-mm, mm-mm, what if nothing happens? It'd just be embarrassing. And then I've got to speak on the gift of prophecy. <laughs> and, and I promise you, I promise you, it was like, I'll have no credibility. I, you know, they'll, they'll think, well, well look, he, he tried it. It didn't work. Why should we listen to him? And I honestly, I was in agony. So I decided I'm not going to do that. And then I tried to start speaking. And, I, and I, if I wanted to super spiritualize it, I'd say, the Lord clouded my brain. And I think I did say that once. And then I felt bad afterwards because I don't know if it was, I think it was more me. I was so thinking about it that I couldn't concentrate on how to start the talk. And then I was feeling guilty you hypocrite, you're about to talk about prophecy, you can't uh, step out. Uh, so, uh, and then it, it was like, oh heck, I can't just stand here. So I said, look, before we start, I could be wrong, but is there someone here called Sam? Da, 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 da. And I said, if that's you, could you just come to the front? We're going to stop for you. And, and I was like, but this is stupid. This is stupid. Why, why stop a whole meeting? Because, you know, it just doesn't make sense. And those of you that were there, do you remember? No one came for a, 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 for a while. And it may have been that it was only two minutes. Honestly, I felt it as two hours. It was like agony. And I stood there and all these kids sat there and the cameras were on and nothing was happening. And I was thinking, this is really bad TV. <laughs> and nobody came. And then, after what seemed like ages, this kid got up. And everyone around started clapping. And I thought, thank goodness. Thank goodness. And then he walked about ten paces and sat down. And I don't know if he saw his girlfriend or a girl he fancied and decided to move or whether he was demonized and hated me 
and wanted to humiliate me. But everyone started clapping and then he sat down. And then another kid did the same thing. And by this stage, I was thinking, how do I get out of this? And the only reason, I promise you, the only reason I didn't go, I didn't, because I was, that I didn't stop it, was I didn't know how to stop it. It was like, how do I get out of this? Well, I don't think I can preach on prophecy now. What the hell am I going to preach on? I need to find some. It says, uh, 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 I need to preach on something I preached on a few years ago. Uh, finding God in weakness. Yes, I'll do that one. I'll do that one. Two Corinthians. You know, all of that. And I was thinking that. And it was like, how do I? Okay, well, okay. Obviously, maybe I got it wrong or something. You know, and I was just about to when this tall lad got up and walked slowly around the side. And by this stage, people started clapping. And I was like, he's going to sit down. He's going to sit down. <laughs> that was honestly, he was going to sit down. And then he came forward and he stood there. And, and I said, are you Sam? And he went, yes. And he was, started, he was trembling. And Andy got and stood down and stood with him. And we prayed with him. And in front of everyone... He gave his life to Jesus. And then we saw, well, we did, I didn't see him, but Andy and Ali saw him walk back and he was in tears and his friend ran up to him also in tears and the two of them were just embracing and crying together. And his youth leader and a couple from his youth group told me the next day that he'd, he'd had a terrible year. He'd been taking illegal substances. His friend had been talking to him about Jesus and coming to Soul Survivor for ages. Uh, in the end, he said that he would. He came, and that morning, he said to his friend, if they ask people to come forward, I'll come. And do you know what? My, my then question was, Lord, why did you do that to me? He could have come, as long as he came up, he could have come up at the end with everyone else. Why did it have to be? And do you know what? It be, suddenly became obvious because after we, we said amen and he'd given his life to Jesus, as he started to walk back, 9,000 kids stood up and gave a standing ovation and clapped and cheered. And it suddenly hit me. Yesterday night, we got excited because 200. And God stopped a whole meeting to teach us it's about one it's about one and everyone knew well I'm going to stop a whole meeting because I love that one and I want that one and it was the best sermon we had all week and it was from the Lord and the honest truth is I was petrified I was convinced I got it wrong and I don't know another way. We have to model it by stepping out. And you know what? If we get it wrong, nobody dies. Nobody dies. It's like, and I say all the time, I have decided, I've decided, I'd rather go for it and be wrong than always wonder. Because if I get it wrong, I might just feel a bit foolish. Well, I've spent most of my life feeling foolish. I, I know the feeling. I can get through that. But if it's the Lord, if it's somebody gets blessed, if it's Jesus, somebody gets blessed, and I'd rather 
go through the pain coming into land. I've just seen of, of looking foolish for the sake of somebody getting blessed. And the same principle applies. The same principle applies. Now, honestly, just the thing I'm battling with is, and I'll finish with this, is um, we just had this guy, an old friend of mine, come over to our church this last weekend, not this one, the one before, um, who really moves in the ministry of the Spirit like no one I know. And he, he, he prays for people on the streets, he, you know those stories, and he, uh, nah, 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 all of that. And, I, and the honest truth is, me and little Crofty, we, we've heard all these people do that, and we've tried it. And we've been, we went a few times into the centre of Watford, and we asked God to give us words for people. And every single time, without exception, it has been a total disaster. Um, I felt the Lord say to me that there would be a woman with a, uh, with, with a red coat um, that would have a limp, and I was to pray for her. And I walked for two hours around the Harlequin, the 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 the, um, the shop, the, the shopping mall, and and then eventually in Primark, I saw this lady with a questionably red coat, who who seemed to be walking with a limp, and probably it was the way I did it. You know, she was a small lady, and I'm not a little man, so I went up to her, and my first words were, "Look, I'm really not weird," which was. <laughs> stupid but I think Jesus has told me I'm to pray for your leg to be all right she looked at me told me to f off and walked off I've been told to f off more times than I care to remember and not one of them worked and it's the same happened to Andy so I, I kind of and, and this last weekend, we had all these stories and about going out there and loving people. And you don't have to go up and have words. You just, just care for people and ask the Lord and be open. And, um, and my interns here, um, Ben, uh, came up to me um, and said, uh, I mean, the thing is, we travel a lot. And, and when we're, I'm an introvert. So when we get to airports, I switch off from the world. I don't like talking to them. I don't like talking to the air crew. I pray. This guy, Blaine Cook, said how he always prays when he gets on a plane that, that, that God would provide him a person next to him that he could share the gospel with. I, my prayer has always been, please, Lord, please, may there be a seat free next to me, empty, may I have the whole row, and all of that. And it's like, I just, it never occurs to me. I'm an introvert. When I land, I've got to talk to human beings. And so I just want some me time. And so Ben came to me in Los Angeles. This is absolutely true. He came up to me and he said, all right, I've got to talk to you about something. You're not going to like this. And I said, what? And he said, from now on, when we go to airports, we need to pray and we need to ask the Lord, who do you want us to talk to? Do you want to give us a word? Who do you want us to pray for? And I said, Ben, no. And he said, <laughs> it's the truth. And, and he said, and he said yes, and these were his exact words, all right, which actually that was incre incredibly rude of you. <laughs> he said to me, he said, because Mike, the truth is, he actually said this, he said, he said, y you're good at it from a stage, 
but you're hopeless in the rest of life. <laughs> you're useless. And then he said, and then he said, don't worry, we can do it together. Because you've got the gifting and I've got the enthusiasm, he said. <laughs> and that's absolutely true. And the thing is, the thing is, I really don't want to. I don't want to. I just want to, I just want to enjoy the journey. I don't want to. So I'm, I'm having the battle. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, it's a lot more human than we think. It's a lot more, you see, God's speaking to all of us. I want to grow in hearing his voice outside my comfort zone. Because doing it from a stage was outside my comfort zone a while ago. And now it's the next stage, and it's a battle. If we're to lead, we can't lead our young people to where we haven't been. And so either we go there first, or, and this is a great one, go, to, go together. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, guys, we're, we're going to just ask, we're going to pray that people be filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I be honest with you? I'm nervous. I've not really done this very much. I've not really done this before. So um, can we all just agree that if, you know, if it's a bit embarrassing, we won't talk about it again? You know, can we all? And you know what? You all step out together. And you're saying, hey, we're going to ask Jesus. And the point is, right back to the beginning, it's about the Holy Spirit comes to reveal Jesus and the things of Jesus, to create a cry in our hearts, Abba Father, to teach us to pray, as well as many, many other things, to give us power to be witnesses, I could go on. That's the purpose, that's the point, that's the why. The rest is just looking after our young people and being as real and as honest as we can be on the journey thanks everyone for listening don't forget to stay connected with Sirius for God on Twitter at Sirius for God Facebook forward slash Sirius for God Instagram at Sirius for God Elim YouTube forward slash Sirius for God UK also subscribe to the podcast to get new episodes every month on iTunes or however else you get your podcasts and we'll look forward to connecting with you soon <laughs>